0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Exodus chapter 19 is where we'll begin today. Exodus 19 and just one verse, the 12th verse. God is speaking to Moses here and he says, And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mount or touch the border of it, for whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. So God speaks to Moses here and tells him to set up boundaries and doesn't tell him where to set them. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, where the rocks meet the ground, go 20 feet further. He said, you just go ahead and set up boundaries. And once you set that boundary, Moses, and they know where it is, if they touch it, I'm going to kill them. That's pretty severe. I think I'd stay away From the boundary how about you stay away from the boundary and today i'm i'm going to talk to you a little bit about boundaries and i uh, i've been working on this for almost two months it really started with aaron brown speaking to me um, in one of our bible studies on a wednesday night and he said something to me that really impacted me and he said people need to have boundaries in their lives Need to know how far you can go, what you should avoid, what lines you should not cross. Because people pleasers let everybody and everything come into their life and then they get overwhelmed with it because they don't have a boundary and they don't have a filter. And, the, and you can be overcome that way. So today I'm, I'm entitling this message that I'm going to share with you, Private Property, no trespassing. Private property, no trespassing. Now, if you wish to buy a piece of land, whether it is exclusively for recreational purposes, or you may even be thinking that eventually you'd like to build some kind of a shelter on it, there are some things that you need to do and determine before you purchase the property. And here they are. Number one, the obvious. Look the land over. Number two, check the survey boundaries. Where are the boundaries? Are they in place? Number three, determine what improvements you would have to make on the property that you're about to purchase. Number four, is it worth the price? And if all of these things come into play and you're in agreement, then you have to Buy it. That's the expensive part. But you have to do your homework before you buy something. I want you to know that Jesus has purchased you. He has looked you over. He has established boundaries. He has determined that he will make improvements in your life. And most importantly, you are worth the price. He does not have buyer's remorse. He remains in love with you. Let's talk about the purchase price for a moment. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18, the purchase price. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you. We have been purchased. We have been redeemed. Redeemed. And I want, I want you to think about this for a few moments, how valuable you are to God. You may not see even the value of your life in your own eyes, but in God's eyes, you are extremely valuable. Thank you, Chad. Extremely valuable. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God. You are private property purchased by God. You are no longer your own. You aren't. You belong to God. I don't know if you've ever noticed this in the scripture, but wherever Lord and Savior are mentioned in the same verse, Lord always comes before Savior. You want to know why? Because you can't have a Savior till you first have a Lord. And that's where a lot of people get. Mixed up, they, they think that God is Santa Claus. He just showers these blessings on you. He died on the cross. He doesn't care what you believe. He doesn't care about how you live. He still loves you and you're still gonna go to heaven. Not so. He came to redeem you. And we need a Lord. That's why even in the plan of salvation that we quote so often in Acts chapter 2, The first word is repent, that's lordship. Then be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, that's obedience. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's promise, but there's an order. There's an order to this. And the first point of order is the one I'm really dealing with today and that is that we become his and his alone. Let me give you an example of this. Job chapter 1 and verse 8. The Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil? He's bragging on Job, isn't he? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Watch this. Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. You know what Satan's doing? He's complaining. I can't get to this guy. You've got a hedge around him. He's private property. I'm not allowed to trespass in his life. I'm not allowed to get in there and mess things up in his marriage or in his family or in his finances. You have protected him. You have sheltered him. That's what private property is. It belongs only to the owner and he can do with it whatever he chooses to do. And so God gives limited permission, limited permission to Satan to come against him, to prove that he will remain faithful. And you say, well, why would he do that? For his own glory and to prove that Job is faithful, not just for what he gets, but for what he has in God. We know, Romans 8.28, these terrible things that happened to Job that we still talk about to this day. We know that all things work together for good, Romans 8.28, to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And whatever we have to go through, whatever God allows in our lives, just as he did limited to Job We know that his mercy and his grace will be sufficient. And God treats every one of us, uh, I know this could be misunderstood, but God treats every one of us uniquely. He doesn't treat us all the same. We can't all handle the same stuff. Some people are stronger than others. Some people are more tender than others. God knows that. If you've ever raised any children, you know that no two of them are identical. They have their differences. You treat them uniquely different to get the same result. But you know as a parent what you can and can't do. And look at the result here of Job in Job 42 and 12. This is the end of all his trials and temptations and losses. The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000, can you imagine this? 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. Wow, that's a lot to take care of. I don't even know if I'd want it, even with the value. Sounds like a lot of responsibility to me. But if you can hire people to do it, I guess it's all right. Number three, in private property, no trespassing. What about the property improvements? What about property improvements on what God has purchased? Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 talks about some of these improvements. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes, keep my judgments and do them and you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people. I will be your God. Wow, that sounds like property improvements to me. Property improvements to me. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he, not greater is me but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And concerning this new heart and this new mind, and this is where I really want to drive the point home today. When I was a young man out of high school and and couldn't cut it in college and didn't want to go anymore, and the draft came into effect, I had a draft number of 78. It was during the Vietnam War. And so it meant that I was going to have to serve in one capacity or, the, or another. And so I ended up, just as my brother did, we went to boot camp. I, I went to Fort Polk, Louisiana, a terrible place. But I remember one thing that I want to bring to your attention today. This is what they told us. They said, we know you're all afraid. We know you're all afraid that you're going to go to Vietnam and you're going to get killed. And this is what we want to promise you. If you don't get shot in the head or if you don't get shot in the heart, the chances of us getting you back home are extremely high. And then they laughed about it and said, and by the way, if you got shot in the head or the heart, you wouldn't know it anyway. You'd die so quick. So if you are wounded on the field of battle, people are going to come and help you and get you out of that situation. That was very encouraging to me. I want you to know that God has a plan to protect your head. It's called the helmet of salvation. It's meant to protect and filter your thought life. The mind is the battlefield of of the soul this is where it all starts this is where your greatest fights occur right in your head what you think your heart the bible said he gave you a breastplate of righteousness what's that for to protect your vital areas especially your heart and then he gave you a shield of faith, which is a mobile form of defense against fiery darts of the wicked to protect yourself. God has equipped us to be protected from the attacks of the enemy. A helmet of salvation. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. These are all things that are necessary for us to overcome the enemy and his trespassing. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Watch this now. And the peace, how many of you want peace? I want it. The peace of God, which passes all of your, what is understanding? It's what you think. That's what understand. Well, my understanding in the matter is, no, that means that's what you think. If you ever want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. If we rely on our understanding, our ability, remember, greater is he, not greater is me that is in us. But the God of peace, which will pass all understanding, will keep your hearts, there it is again, and your minds through Christ Jesus. And then he tells us what to think. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, then think on these things. So here it is in this eighth verse. It's really an important verse in the Bible. This leads me to peace. It tells me what to think and what not to think. And then it says in verse 9, And those things which you have both learned, which you're learning now, and received and heard and seen in me do, and here will be the result, the God of peace shall be with you. If I do not have peace, I am thinking about the wrong things. I'm thinking about the wrong things. Again, I want to say, we are God's private property. And there is no trespassing from the enemy allowed on God's property. And to be sure you understand this, trespassing is being on land that you don't own. Or that you don't have written permission to be on. When I think of written permission, I think of the word of God. Written permission. Satan has no right to be on God's property. No right. You got to kick him off you got to ask him, do you have permission to be on the property? Well, yeah. Well, such a liar, you can't believe a word he says. Well, then show me your written permission signed by the owner. That's the way things are done in our society. Now, I I remember when, when I was just a kid, a lot of public land to hunt on. But then after a while, I started seeing private property, no trespassing signs everywhere. And if you got caught on that property, you could be arrested. And if anybody questioned you, you needed written, not verbal. Because you could lie about that. But you needed written permission, signed by the owner, that stated that you could be on that property. And God has not given that to Satan. So he doesn't have any right to be on property he doesn't own. And you gotta kick him off. You gotta kick him off. Ephesians 4 and 27 says, neither give place to the devil. James 4 and 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Kick him off. Kick him off the land. I think... I don't know, you might think I'm a little crazy, but I think sometimes to the number of times that I've had the thoughts that I shouldn't have had and the light goes on. You're thinking negatively, you're worrying. And I have to tell myself, God has been faithful. He's never failed me in the past. He'll never fail me in the future. I got to talk myself off of the subject that Satan is lying to me about. Does that happen to you? Am I the only one? But I got to tell him to get off. Get off. And you know what? I think we have every right to even be aggressive. Hey! Get out! Get out of my house! Get out of the place I work! Get out of my mind. Violators will be persecuted by us and prosecuted by him. Kick him off. Tell him where to get off. Tell him he's not welcome. Tell him you're not interested. Tell him you're not buying it. I ain't buying it. I know, uh, I know a few things that Satan is. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. And you got to tell him you're not putting up with it anymore. Let me conclude with this. Exodus 19 and verse number 13. Remember I read to you let me go back and read verse 12 one more time. This was Exodus 19.12. You will set bounds unto the people round about saying, take heed to yourselves, pay attention now, is what he's saying, that you go not up into the mount or touch the border of it, for whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. That meant no Israelite other than Moses could go up to the mount. But verse 13, if you're not careful, you could miss it. Verse 13 says, There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be a beast or a man, it will not live. But listen to this. But when the trumpet sounded long, they shall come up to the mount. Let's stand together. So here's what he's saying. Moses, set up the boundaries. Set up the boundaries. And anybody that touches the boundary, wherever you want it, Moses, I'm going to kill them if they touch it. Nobody comes up but you. But, but, when the trumpet sounds long, everybody come on up. So here's what I want you to remember stay in bounds till the trumpet sounds. Did you hear that? Stay in bounds till the trumpet sounds. Set up, as I told you earlier, set up some boundaries. You get to set some boundaries. Some boundaries are set up by God in His Word. You can't move those. Don't, Don't touch them, don't try and move them. But there are some things that you need to set up. You know what your weaknesses are, you know what you struggle with. Set the boundary. And when you come there, I don't know if it's spray painted or whatever, but somehow it's marked and you see it. You say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going the wrong way. One person asked, he said, why do people put up walls? Is it to keep people in or is it to keep people out? I think it's both. There are some things I do not go to Or get near that's a wall to me and I want that wall because I know I shouldn't be there or I shouldn't do that but the other purpose of a wall is to keep your enemies out Jesus help us to recognize that we belong to you that we are your private property and to tell Satan he cannot trespass on what he does not own. Because Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177